This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wiccan Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, and Damien Farrar Hockley. On this week's episode, we discuss the good, the bad, and the downright ugly of our first two games of the new season, from a shocking start against Exeter to a much needed confidence booster in the Carabao Cup against Milton Keynes. What lessons have Blooms and the team taken, and how can these be applied to finally break our Saturday duck when we travel to Lincoln this weekend? We kick off with last weekend's season opener against Exeter. The weather was all over the place, but Adams Park was ready, expectations and morale high in hot anticipation for another memorable season. It took the visitors less than 10 minutes to kill that positive vibe, eventually going on to win the game 3-0. It could have been even worse too, an excellent penalty save from Max Strake early on, preventing an even more depressing scoreline. Not the way to get the season started. The pain has eased since, however, thanks to last night's 2-0 victory over Milton Keynes, Brandon Hanlon and a seemingly committed Chris Farino powering us into the next round of the Cup. Uh, right, guys, I think it makes sense to start with that opening 10 minutes, uh, the Probably the worst 10 minutes I've ever seen, maybe ever. I don't know if that's overdoing it, but the worst 10 minutes to start off a season. What were our thoughts as we were witnessing what we were witnessing on Saturday? Do you know, it was such a shame, wasn't it? Because the atmosphere was great. Everybody was enjoying themselves. Everyone was smiling. The players looked super laid back when they were doing their warm-up. And they came out and unfortunately they were still laid back. It was an absolute disaster from start to finish. That back three just didn't work. JJ, Grimmer and Keo just didn't work. Um, It didn't work with only two bodies in the middle. To be fair, when Blooms changed it and um, and pulled Leahy in the middle and went with three, it did get a bit better. But we just had no threat going forward even. When you can see two goals that early, you've got to be threatening going forward and we just had nothing. I thought Kian Brecken had a really, really tough debut and it's easy to pull him out of an absolute disaster 
But, um, yeah, he didn't come out with any credit at all, bless him. He's only a young kid. Um, not the ideal start for him. I thought Keogh, who had been absolutely brilliant last week in the uh, in a friendly against Cardiff, had a very, very under-par game. Same with Vincent Young. There were a couple of positives for me. I thought Harry Boys was excellent. His delivery really excites me because I think when Vokes is fit, he's going to be giving him a lot of service. But yeah, on the whole, it was very, very difficult to take any positives out of it. And all of the positive work done by the 1887 and the uh, the management team during the closed season, um, very, very quickly, um, it came undone a little bit. For me, it looked like two teams, one team had been playing for half a season and one team had never played together. Because Exeter came with a plan, they knew what they were doing. They knew what, they were, they, were, they hit our channels, and they obviously realised that was a weakness early on. And it, I don't want to say men v boys, but it looked a bit like that for me. And but we just looked like a team of individuals, not an actual team. It's such a shame. It's just the anticipation before the games was brilliant, wasn't it? You know, there's a buzz around the ground. Everyone was really optimistic and. I think that's probably the quickest time that's, that that level of optimism's probably been killed. It's you know twenty six seconds, and then two minutes after that, and then a penalty, uh, which thankfully Max saved. But you know I, we can't put it down to the excuses of um, the signings, you know, not gelling yet because Exeter had six or seven changes and they seemed to blend in quite nicely. I think yeah. the difference that they had uh, for me was Nom at the time. There's a Nom, Nom Bay at the top, number 10. He was phenomenal all game, mm-hmm. gave all our defence trouble. Um, and then their two centre-backs just mopped everything up all game. There was absolutely no way we were getting past them two and they looked absolutely brilliant. Um, I think uh, the guys need time to gel. That's, that's the key to this. And we obviously have a bit more time than others. I think there's probably you know a couple more pre-season games. I haven't really looked at how extra lined up pre-season in terms of whether how many games they had on and compared to us but you know it's it's that time to gel I think the the crazy thing for me is actually when you looked at the MK Don's starting lineup yesterday for us I thought that was stronger than it was on Saturday the back three I guess it was looked much better I think having Farino back in is a, is a massive boost but we missed uh, the likes of, we, we missed that young kind of look on on Saturday, I think that that was the shame. Really, I don't think we would have scored in a month of Sundays either. I think part of the problem is is the fact that if you look at Brandon Hanlon, he was getting the ball hoofed to him. That's not his game. Brandon Hanlon either likes to run onto balls or you know ball to feet, and then you know taking some players on and, and getting in the box. Dale Taylor's probably the same. I mean, he's not. You know, it, we need to work out how to get the most out of these guys. Um, and I don't think we did that Saturday. Do you think the players maybe, um, with all the hype from the fans, they've seen it on social media, there was a lot of buzz, and they've heard about the 1887 and all of this. Do you think the players just went into it a little bit too hyped? I, I've never seen anything like it, but it, it it looked to me like they just weren't weren't prepared at all. And when we went one down, it didn't look like it was, oh, you know, heads down, these things happen in football, let's try and get back. They just looked completely bereft of any kind of confidence, yeah, we played a very good Cardiff team the week before, kept a clean sheet, and it was bodies on the line, and they looked really up for it. 
And in a league game, we just looked like we were really, really struggling. And I don't know if they've perhaps caught up in their own hype is a bit harsh, but I don't know if they've, you know, seen what's been going on in social media, caught onto the end of a really positive atmosphere, and it's just gone really badly wrong. But that's, that's the only explanation that I can come up with for it. I don't know whether it's that. Um, if you, look, you know, the level of positivity that has been around the team is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's great to have, well, I've never seen Wickham social media as united as it has before the start of the season, to be honest. It felt like for me, they were still in pre-season. It, uh, they were kind of like, oh, well, it's it's quite an easy, you know, we'll, we'll take it easy and kind of grow, grow into the game. But they didn't have time to grow into the game. I noticed because I looked across as as Exeter was celebrating the Bulls going back and they were all kind of doing that calm down, calm down. It's okay. We've got this. And I felt a bit like I felt a bit confident by that because I thought, oh, you know, they must, you know, they must had if they've kind of gone one if they go one nil down earlier, they've got a plan for that. But they didn't seem to have a plan on Saturday. And that was that was the worrying thing about it. I don't think it's anything sinister, to be honest. I just think, you know, they just need to sharpen up a bit. Yeah, agreed. It looked to me like they hadn't been told what to do before the game. Uh, there was players yep. completely out of position. Uh, in this, ver- this was all in the first ten minutes. Things, things seemed to change a little bit after the second goal, um, but and we got some resilience. But in the, in the first ten minutes, I couldn't tell you where about seven of our players were actually supposed to be playing. They just they were all over the place. It, it was weird, wasn't it? It was almost like we lined up with like a three-four-three with two in central midfield. We got completely overrun. Lee, he yeah. kind of started yeah. on the left of that yeah. three and was getting really frustrated and seemed to be tracking back, going in the middle, going here, there and everywhere. And as soon as Lee, he came in the centre, it just calmed things down a little bit. But yeah, it, it, it was a very, very weird start. I saw Wickham Twitter give the Exeter fans a lot of credit for their support and they were excellent. Obviously, it's the uh, the most local away day for them, which is incredible. Uh, they were excellent. But I don't think that enough has been said about the side that Gary Caldwell put out and the way they performed. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to give them credit. They absolutely, absolutely came out of the gates like you want every side to start the season and to their credit they put us to the sword they were disciplined they were organized they were ruthless and they capitalized on what you know what we saw very quickly into the game four minutes in to be a side that were inexperienced I don't know if they were carried away by the hype because they're they're you know I mean maybe some of the youngsters but at the end of the day they're professionals uh I, I think Exeter were just outstanding uh, yeah. f- for for most of the game and, and the scoreline truly reflected their performance um, I will say this the obviously 10 minutes incredibly difficult but I think that we we showed good resolve to find our way back into the game perhaps we didn't grow into the game as, as well as much as I thought we did but I think in the second half we definitely threatened more we enjoyed more time with the ball definitely grew into the game you know you're watching those two girls go in and then you see the penalty given away and I kept thinking to myself uh, this could be like Germany, Brazil. You know, we could just completely lose it. You know, young young players in the squad. You know, that's Brecken's first ever senior game in football. Um, so I think we did quite well to pick ourselves up after the first ten minutes. But Exeter were excellent. Yeah, absolutely. We we spoke about it last week, didn't we? And strangely enough. Um, we said how negative their supporters had been about some of the signings that they've made and some of the players that had gone out. We touched on Tom Carroll. He looked every bit the experienced pro, used the ball really, really well. He knew when to go down um, and he knew how to go down, you know, with these new rules, with the in- with the injury time. you got to be a little bit clever about it. 
Um, the young lad from Chelsea, Rankin, over on the wing. He was absolutely lightning, really skillful, really dangerous. Um, and they've got the basis of a really good side there. You know, and I thought, what was it, 760-something that they took with them? I thought they they always travel well, to be fair, and they always make a lot of noise, but I thought they were absolutely brilliant behind that goal. And, you know, a lot of credit has to go to them. They're a really good set of supporters. I really like Extra as a little football club, little things they do. Like when you go away there, they put a little sign up, don't they? Thanks very much for traveling 3,000 miles to support your football club or however far it is down there. They're a really nice little club. Sometimes it's all very well being a football fan and being able to rub your opposition's noses in it like we did with MK last night when we won. Uh, I think sometimes you have to be able to step back and look at something. Exeter outplayed us in every part of the pitch um, and their fans were absolutely superb and fair play to them. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Gary Colwell last last week said, we know what to expect from Wickham. And we were all basically saying, well, we don't know what to expect. So, you know, how does he manage that? But he instilled in them People might say it's luck, but uh, that they were first to every 50-50 ball, but it wasn't. He basically made sure that they got every 50-50 ball first, and that that caught us on the back foot in the first 10 minutes, and we weren't expecting that. We, it's an age-old... I've been watching Wickham a long time, and it's an age-old problem. The amount of times we've gone into a game where there's not a big um, rivalry, there's not a big reputation of the away team, and we basically thought, ah, we should have turned up, this will be easy. And uh, we got caught on the hop, and unfortunately, uh, it, was, it went the wrong way on Saturday. Um, I'm going to echo what Adam said about their, their club and their fans. There were 790 of them. There could have been three or 4,000, the noise they made. And that, everyone says about the acoustics of Waste Ham, but you've you got to put the effort in, and they certainly did. Uh, I think that's the benefits of a fellow club as well. They're, they're all, you know, absolutely behind their club, and the way they're set up is absolutely brilliant. And for a fans trust model that's, that's one to follow for me um, I think they've got it absolutely spot on so you know you, you've got to applaud them I looked at it after the game I said this and you know it was a long drive back for me unfortunately but um, I, it reminded me of Bolton away last season when we lost 3-0 there um, we went down two goals very quickly um, we had Tyler in goal then so you kind of you can understand it a bit more but I don't think I don't think there's too much to worry about if we get it right quickly, which obviously Matt wants is correct on Tuesday. But MK are a League Two side and they didn't look very good. So, you know, we, we've still, we can't rest on our laurels. We, we've got to pick that up on Saturday. The one thing that I wanted to pick through with you guys is, uh, and I know we've spoken about this privately, and I'm going to go super public with my complete disdain of a back free formation. I really don't like it. Um, I, I know it gives you the, you know, the dexterity of having the, the wing back, the wing backs, but I, every time we seem to play a uh, back free or play five at the back with, with those flexible wing backs, it just seems that we always get caught out. Mm -hmm. we're, we're really soft. You, you would think that we would be uh, a little harder to play against with the free central, you know, center back options. It never seems to be the case. And, you know, I've seen the first goal extra scored back a few too many times now. It's borderline painful, right? But it just seems like when you're playing with a back two, the the two centre backs, they know where they need to be. They know their areas. They know where to you know to cut out the lanes and things like that. But when you've got three, there just seems to be a bit of a, a confusion as to who's who needs to be where and whose responsibilities are what. What do you guys reckon to playing with that three back? 
because I mean we played it last night and it, it wasn't so bad. Although I will say that I think that we still look very susceptible at the back. The difference between Exeter and MK is the fact that Exeter we played the front back three with a combined age of 154. So that's <laughs> that's part of the issue there. I think you know we've got yeah Keo and JJ. I mean look Keo was pretty rapid for a guy that age and if I get you know a few years older I'm a couple of years behind it and I get as rapid as that I'll be a very happy man you know I think JJ we saw it last season we're starting not to slow down but it, it, you know he can't meet the pace of some of these white um, wingers when you've got you know Rankin who's absolutely bombing it down the wing you're not, you're not going to have a 36 37 year old catching him it's just no. not going to happen and that's the difference where I think that Joe Lowe is obviously quite raw um, and welcome on time for you know that's where we missed him on Saturday um, I think the difference we had uh, it started to improve when Scoen and Farino, um came on and you know we missed that uh, in the first half on Saturday and I think if that started and Farino maybe uh, was in the right mind on, on you know, the beginning of the, the game then maybe it might have been a bit different but no, I think it can work. I think the back three can work. I think you've just got to have the right combination if we're going to do it. Because I think, you know, having a grimmer veteran and Farino at the back would be good. I hate three at the back, five at the back, whatever you want to call it. If you're playing people out of position to accommodate that, I have absolutely no doubt of JJ and Grimmer's ability as centre-backs. But the problem is when you're playing as a back three and you've been a right-back or a left-back all of your life, the positioning is very, very difficult. It's much more difficult than it is playing in a two. Um, the reason we looked a bit more solid yesterday, I think, was because we had three genuine centre-backs and three really big centre-backs. We still got done around the sides a little bit yesterday, which you would expect because your defence isn't as wide, but you've got to know how to defend corners. And I think when you've got three defenders who are all over six foot five, um, it's a little bit easier to to defend crosses, to defend high balls into the box. It, it, Phil Catchpole touched on it very, very briefly yesterday. Milton Keynes had a real problem filling the box. Like They get the ball wide and there's nobody in the box. And it was taking them ages to, to, to get forward. I don't think that was the biggest test yesterday, but I think it was just what we needed. We kept a clean sheet. As far as the three at the back is concerned, I just... I just don't get it. I'm I'm really old school when it comes to football. I like a back four. I like fullbacks to be able to defend. And don't even get me started on our new goal kick routine. I mean, why on earth have we got one player playing it four yards across the box to another player when we're already under pressure and we're 2-0 down? I just don't understand it. Just put your bloody foot through it and get the ball in the other half. It's it's it, It's got to be better, the ball being in the other half, than faffing around with it in your own goal. I just don't get it. I don't I also really don't get it and it really winds me up because it's it's just a recipe for disaster. If you're playing against a side that loves to employ that high press, we see it time and time again when you get these young it's usually young managers, they want to play that exotic out of the back. But um, yeah, look, so, if yeah, you're five nil up, do what you want. But yeah. <laughs> when you're two nil down and you've been under pressure, all you're doing is putting your ball playing players under even more pressure. And a lot of the problem that we had when we went 2-0 down on Saturday was that the ball-playing players, your, your Leahy's, your Potts, were having to drop back so deep because the ball wasn't even leaving the six-yard box. It was absolutely bonkers. And yet, I, I, I just think you've got to be clever. I'm not saying you've got to hoof every ball, but you've got to learn to play smart and you've got to learn when is the best time to play for territory and when is the best time to keep the ball. And the very, very simple basics of football are you don't pass the ball across your goal. 
You don't faff around with it in a penalty area. You get it as far away from your own goal as possible and play your nice football in front of the opposition's goal. And I, I, I can't get my head around it. I love Matty B to bits. I won't have a bad word said about him, but I think that has to change. That's my biggest frustration. I like what he's trying to do, but the five at the back and the faffing around with it from goal kicks is very, very, very frustrating. We saw at the when he came in last season, he tried to change the style to more of a passing game. I think he's obviously trying to instill that in this season, but it just took mm. it a bit far, basically. Um, like I, I totally agree with Adam. Passing inside your own box is criminal. And um, we're not playing in the Premiership. Get rid of it, basically. Um, with the three at the back, I think it, like, it, we showed, it showed, did show a little bit last night that it works. To a certain degree, but we've got to remember, and this is fun to say, we were playing a League 2 team. And so the real test, if he's going to keep going with that, is going to be on Saturday against Lincoln. We've touched on the MK game a little bit here, so we've kind of bled into it. Obviously a much more positive performance, got the 2-0 win, we're through to the next round. Probably the the perfect response and, and got some good minutes in for some of the players that are probably going to be on the fringe. You know, uh, TJ had a really good performance. But the one player that I did want to talk about initially before we get into a bit of a deeper dive was Brandon Hanlon, who scored the first goal. Interested to get your thoughts on this. I think that was probably the best I've seen him in the quarters. Uh, he looked hungry. He looked sharp. He wanted it. That one moment where he absolutely belted it back, won the ball back, carried it forward. He looked very aggressive. And and that's the kind of the Hanlon that I want to see more of. You know, I think we all, we've mentioned him before. We've discussed it in great detail. He's not a 20 goal a season guy. He might, he's not even a 10 goal a season guy. But if he plays like he did last night, I think that we're going to get some really, uh, I think we're going to get some results from Hanlon. I was very impressed with what I saw. I've got a feeling that, I mean, it seems to me that Bloomfield is a fan of Hanlon and I think it'll bleed into him that, you know, he's got the confidence of the manager and that'll make him more of a confident player. And if we can get, get him to level, the levels he could be, he, I, I genuinely think he could be a 20 goal a season man, but not up front from the wing. I want to share a, a, a really quick little, little story about Brandon. Cause I love the guy last year. I absolutely demolished my knee. And at the age of like, 37 ended up having uh, a complete reconstruction um, and Damo will tell you I was literally like in a frame from groin to toes for like four months did it properly playing against the under sixes in a uh, dads versus lads match taking a throw in I was at one of the pre-season games or very early season games last year and he actually made an effort he walked past he got in his car he was ready to pull away and he looked up and obviously saw me standing there with little and he was waiting for autographs he actually made an effort to get out of his car walk over ask what i'd done give me some hints and tips on how to recover and that wasn't it every single home game then he made a point of coming to find me seeing how the recovery was going sharing some exercises he is a really 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 good guy he's not a number nine and bloom's touched on that yesterday in his interview um he said you know he he scores some lovely goals. He scores some individual goals. I can't remember if it was against last season. He had that goal, didn't he, where he beat sort of three or four men and almost sort of switched it in against Ipswich. Yeah. He, he's a really good footballer, but he's not a number nine. He hasn't got what I call that sort of natural finishing ability. But that doesn't mean to say that he hasn't got something to give the side. I think he's a really, really good player. He works hard. 
Um, if you've got young players in your team, he is somebody who you, who you want around him. He's positive. You know, like we touched on, he's a good guy and he's got oodles of ability. And I think Blooms has seen something in him in the fact that he's actually come out and said that publicly yesterday. And he said, we need to get him in between the posts more. We need to get him finishing, tap-ins and scoring easy headers. And I think if they've picked that out and they're working on that, um, you know, who, who, who better to be working with, by the way, than Voxy, if they can use his experience. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last-minute winner. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes. I think there's a striker inside him, but at the minute, he's an absolute weapon coming off that wing. Yeah, maybe he is going to be a player who who might make 15 or 20 appearances off the bench because I thought last night <laughs> him and, uh, and TJ were absolutely stunning i thought they were really really positive performances along with joe low by the way who who's just on a different level but yeah i thought those two last night going forward looked looked really really good and um fair play to him you know i it, it couldn't it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke you just want him to do well he's not one of these players that you look at and you think oh you know if we sell him next year it doesn't really matter you want him to do well and you know fair play to him a goal and an assist in what looked like a tough game that looked like it was uh, it was petering out into a draw and a penalty shootout. He um, he was the game changer. Fair play to him. It's a difficult one, Brandon Hadler, isn't it, really? Uh, he is a good player on his day, but I think if you look at the contrast between Exeter and MK, I think the difference is how the team was set up. I think his the supply to him matters because Exeter as alluded to earlier, it was just hoof to Hanlon and he's not controlling it in the air. That's not Brandon Hanlon's style of play. Um, I think if we can get him doing, you know, giving him the right supply, I think he's a winger or I think he's a number 10. He's not a striker. And I think we're always guilty of it. I was always guilty of it as a kid. If you, you kind of tag everyone as a defender, a midfielder or a striker, and if they're a striker, then they're scoring 20 goals. And if they aren't scoring 20 goals, well, they're not doing their job properly. And that's that's not what Brandon Hanlon's about. His contribution is going to f- come far more when he's doing stuff that McClear, similar to what McCleary's doing, is getting, you know, tap, running at the players and, and you know, getting in behind the defence and, and, you know, more assists than goals, really, I think. And it touched on TJ as well. I think that is also key. We need to work out what's best for TJ. I think this could be uh, the year where TJ starts to really break out and do well, but that's if the team around him 
you know, it suits his style of play. It, that's one thing I said at half time was we need to bring TJ on last night because we didn't look like scoring in the first half, really. It wasn't really too many chances and it was heading the way of Exeter again where we wouldn't have scored if we didn't make those changes. And that's, and to be honest with you, going back to Saturday, I think that's probably what we missed as a TJ that he showed against Cardiff where he just got in and absolutely went crazy. You know, we, we can talk about Hanlon and, you know, where he sits in the team and, and what his ultimate kind of impact and how how much we're going to get out of him this season. But the one player that, that really shined yesterday, the one player who kind of dominated the hi, hi, you know, the highlights and the headlines despite Hanlon's excellent performance is Chris Farino. And obviously we were talking about him in a lot of depth last week on the first uh, podcast back, you know, because the rumours, they have persisted. They've still not really died down, but... In terms of what we saw last night, that absolute bullet header while he was getting kicked in the face as well, by the way. Uh, a wonderful visual, which uh, is most definitely going to feature in the uh, the episode's artwork this week. Don't worry about it. It's already an iconic image. But um, what did you guys make of his overall performance and also, crucially, his comments after the game? It seemed to tell me that he is revitalised, renewed commitment, and I think he's quickly gotten over the fact that he's probably not going to be playing championship football this season. Yeah, I'd agree. I think all three of them played really well as a centre-backs. And I think Chris scored gold and will go away with applaudits for that. But I think it, it, it is worth pointing out that that back three re- really worked yesterday. Joe Lowe won everything in the air, on the floor. Farino's just a Rolls-Royce of a footballer. He's it, he's played less than 50 games for us, and if he was to be sold for four or £500,000, it would be great business. There's no arguing with that. But he is a Rolls-Royce of a footballer. And, and what he gives you when he's in that kind of form is the ability to link the defence and the midfield because he's not a defender who panics on the ball. He can take the ball down, he can move out five or six yards, and he can get the team up the pitch from his starting position, which is a, a really nice to have. And I think that's where Grimmer, Keo, and JJ really struggled against Exeter. There was a huge gap, particularly without Scowan, there was a huge gap between the back three and the midfield. You put Farino in there, taking the ball down, stepping into that, so almost like stepping into a holding midfield like John Stones has been playing his inverted wing um, fullback that apparently Pep Guardiola uh, invented. It's been around for ages, but fullbacks should be doing that anyway. But Farina was just stepping into that position and it makes it so much easier for your midfielders because all of a sudden they're five, six, seven yards further up the pitch and it makes it so much easier to be able to turn and know that you're not under pressure. If you give the ball away, you're not going to give a goal away. Whereas if you're taking the ball on the edge of your own box, there's that nervousness about, oh, God, if I give the ball away, they're going to score. So he gives you an awful lot more than being a battler and being good in the air and being good in the tackle. I agree on the interview. I think he's he's got a renewed sense of enthusiasm. I think if we have a good season, I think there's still a chance that, we, that, that it will stay and we'll keep him. The biggest thing for me is the partnership of those three. Um, Farino, Tafazoli and Lowe were absolutely stunning together. I think on Saturday, um, and I know Farino's had his uh, fitness issues, but on Saturday after the game, Blooms mentioned basically how his head turned slightly. I just think that the reception he got when he came on on Saturday and last night, they just mentioned him more and more and more getting into the game. And that, from, and then obviously the goal and the, and the he shed blood for the team. 
and 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 the celebration when he scored just made me think he's sticking around um and also if he did go to that championship team that won today we'd be playing league one football next season anyway that's buying tour day where that okay he's, he's quite he's staying i think at this point unless someone else comes in for him but I, to be honest with you he's a, a Adam said he's not played 50 games for us yet. He's not played 50 professional games yet. Um, so he's he's still new, which is exciting in a way because he's such a core part of our defence, I feel. And, you know, there's 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 plenty of room for him to grow. It's still a young age. Um, I think his attitude on last night was absolutely phenomenal. That's exactly what we want. And, you know, it demonstrates the, uh, the way that we procure players whether they're part of the dev squad initially or whether they're part of the first team is fantastic you know it's, it's it's that kind of attitude that you want to see from from our players he's, he and the rest of the team seemed a bit more fired up last night which is brilliant that's exactly what we want um she I, I think Steve Cook was mentioned that he was going to QPR today anyway so that's exactly what they need good young signing exactly but they need an experienced player at the back. That's that's it. And you know, Farino's not going to give him that that level of experience at this time in in a league that he's not played in yet. So unless he might have had a couple of championship appearances, I can't remember. It was that long ago. But you just you have to you have to think that he'll he'll be around for the long haul. I think that's a positive if we stick him with this back three because, as I said earlier, you got to have Farino, a another veteran alternating between Keo and JJ. And Grimmer. I think, do you know what? It was quite nice actually last night that we gave Grimmer the captaincy as well. Um, we haven't mentioned that yet. I think that demonstrates his role within the team, demonstrates how well thought of he is within the team and, and actually how cool he is to Bloomfield. And one thing I noticed, and go, I know we keep going back to Saturday, but the one thing that I was really happy with on Saturday was actually, you know, at the back, even when it was 70 minutes in and we were still 2 0 down, and it didn't really look like we were going to get anything from the game anyway. Grimmer was still going for the ball, was you know absolute trying to really kind of rally at the back, and it was it was nice to see that he's, he's just got that level of urgency about him um, that maybe the rest of the team could have done on that day. Yeah, I, I noticed that about Grimmer's performance as well, and 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 on Twitter, obviously after the game, all of that positive, uh, all that positivity had completely been replaced with something else, um, and and I saw a couple of tweets slating Grimmer, and and I think that probably upset me more than the performance itself because I I don't think we realise actually how good Grimmer is. There's a reason he's the club's second longest servant. Uh, he is ace. Uh, I. You know, and I think that he fits really nicely into that centre back role, which is kind of unnatural for him as well. Um, yeah, really glad to see him get the armband, well deserved, and uh, he's still got so much to give us. And I was really pleased to see those tweets get really quite quickly shot down by people with a little bit more sense. Yeah, let's remember as well. I mean, I know it, it's easy to say we're playing against a League Two team. But let's remember, actually, who they were playing against yesterday. It wasn't too long ago we were sat here saying how good Moisa was and how good a Lunga, uh, sorry, Leko is. They've also got a Lunga in their squad. It's not a bottom half of League Two dross that have been there for ages, you know, a sort of League Two stalwart Crawley or a Gillingham or somebody. This is a, a side who, who have challenged in the upper echelons of our division. Um, and yes, they are in that division for a reason, but they weren't playing against the blind school. They were playing against some real genuinely good footballers at this level. And I think when you see people like Joe Lowe and Farino 
Grimmer having a good game when they're when they're defending against players like that. You can only come out of it positively. It's really easy to tell, you know, they're a League Two team. Well, they're they're a League Two team that beat Ryan Reynolds at the weekend. Yeah. I yeah, mean, we, 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 we got no end of coverage on that game for, yeah. for some reason. Um, and, and they put them to the sword. They're no joke. And I think MK, as much as I hate to say this, um, they'll do well this season. Yeah. And I'd be surprised if they didn't get automatic. Yeah, 100%. Oh, hopefully they'll just get relegated to the conference and further into oblivion, but we can live and dream. Be nice. Words out of my mouth. Words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't want to come across as too negative because I feel like, especially, you know, the the, the deflation after the such build-up of optimism against Exeter and obviously playing an MK side yesterday and things like that. I, I You know, there are a lot of positives to take. I think Harry Boys over the last couple of games has looked a very smart purchase. I think he is very... Uh, he's, he's just quick. He's smart. He gets you know gets crosses in and once evokes is fully up to fitness. I think we're going to be bombs away, um, and that looks good. You know, Vincent Young showed flashes of that as well uh, on Saturday too. I think he's going to be brilliant if we can keep him fit. Um, I personally on Saturday I would start TJ. hundred percent would start yeah, TJ. I'd give him a go. I'd put him in probably at number ten, and I would start McCleary as well. I just think, you know, let's let's have a bit of the core team. Um, and, you know, I think one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that miss at the end from Miller. Um, I, you know, I think the lad could do with some more loan time. Uh, you know, I'm sure he will come good in the end. But I think if you look at him and Brecken, who previously before us have only had uh, EPL2 experience, there is a golf, massive golf in physical and quick thinking between League One and EPL two. And that's where you know Brecken will need to learn quickly. I think he must be good if, you know, Man City are massively behind him and touting him. But we've you know, we've got to give the lad time. Don't criticize him. Just let him get on. He's only nineteen for God's sake. So let's say um, you realise that Potts is so good as well, isn't it? Oh, exactly. And that's like, do you, you know what? Compare to just... Freddie Potts though. But the difference with Freddie Potts is he's been in and around that West Ham side. Yeah. He had a season playing in the Conference League, playing in Europe, and that's the difference the season makes. If you look at similar ages, you look at Phil Foden, where Phil Foden was at 19, he's in and around the first team. That level yeah. of experience within the first team helps players to grow so quickly, and that's what Brecken needs to see. And to be honest with you, it's probably what Damani Mellon needs this season as well. He needs to be in and around the first team, probably yeah. coming off the bench. You know, he scored a couple of goals. So let's see what happens. But yeah, we've just got to give these players time. Development through osmosis. There we go. That's a word that I don't think anyone would expect here on a football podcast. Uh, we're going to move ahead to this weekend. So with renewed optimism, we switch back to the league for our next two fixtures. Uh, this weekend, we travel to Lincoln, whose initial form matches our own quite eerily, having lost 3-0 against Bolton on the opening day, but also progressing in the cup last night after a 2-0 win over Notts County. We then return to HP12 on Tuesday, for our first home game under the lights coming against last season's League Two champions Leighton Orient back at this level for the first time in eight years. The thing that we've discussed on multiple occasions quite painfully is this Saturday duck, right? We need to break it. Uh, We've already discussed a little bit about how we can take learnings from our opening first two games. Dan, you've said that you want TJ, you want GMAC in the starting lineup at least on Saturday. But what else do we need to impose? What 
lessons do you hope Matt and the team have learned from especially Saturday going into this next league game? We have to be cautious if we're going to play a back three of who we play in that back three. We need legs. Yes, we need experience. Yes, we need a calming head, but we need legs as well. That really showed against Exeter. I personally, I don't know if if Taff apparently was just cramped, but I personally would like to see the same back three as played yesterday. But, you know, even if Taff falls out, maybe you put JJ out on that left-hand side and then you've got the legs from the other two as well. But I just... I just think if you're going to play that formation that you've got to have legs in the middle of the park, you've got to have somebody who's willing to carry the ball out of defence and and be that link. We, we cannot get ourselves into another position where a defender's picking the ball up on the penalty spot and is looking up to play a pass and there's nobody around him for 25 yards and that's what was happening on Saturday. And, and I think, yeah, a little, a, a little bit of an injection of pace up front. Folks, he looked really confident yesterday. He was literally hitting them from anywhere, which you don't often see from him. So he's obviously brimming with confidence. Taylor looks a really, really tidy little player and a good find. So if we can carry on playing, I don't know, a two up front with a with a TJ and a Hanlon or a TJ and a McCleary in behind, then, then great. But I think what will be the difference between winning and losing will be that pace at the back. I think we need to put experience in the team and the reason for that is because it's Lincoln's first home game of the season. They are going to be so up for it. If we, if we put a load of youngsters in and the, noise, the, the atmosphere could get to them, I believe, personally, because um, they are inexperienced. But if we put in the likes of Vokes, Scowan, McCleary and the back three that we played last night, don't see the, that being a problem. But we just need to err on the side of caution when it comes to the inexperienced players on Saturday. Lincoln's an interesting one, isn't it? Because they've got a lot of promise uh, over the last few years. They've been you, you either back them to be in the playoffs or you know there or thereabouts, at least top half. They're they're a decent side um, and and have been for a while. And I mean, if you look at the last three times that we've been there, I know we've had different ty- different teams to what we or we have now. We've drawn uh, every time we've got Central Bank. So to break that Saturday duck, we've got to do something we haven't done. Since I think it's 2011, which you know is 12 years, it's a long old time. Lincoln look good, they look fast. I mean, they they lost 3 0 to Bolton on Saturday, which I think Bolton will be up there, they're all there about at the end of the season. So, um, I wouldn't take that serious as seriously as an indication of where they are. Um, just as I didn't take 3-0 loss against Exeter as an indication of where we are because I think there was a lot for us to, to improve on. But it will give us a good indication of, you know, where we potentially will be if we if we kind of carry on in the next, yeah, 10 games or so. I think, you know, yeah, Adam is right. The defence is important. But to be honest with you, I think the midfield battle on Saturday is going to be incredibly important. I think that's where Josh is vital. Um, I think he got sent off. In the uh, last season, there I think he got yeah he got sent off at Lincoln last season. So hopefully he don't repeat that. I think McCleary on the wings, we need him on. You know, he always comes out fighting at the start of a season. So why we don't harness that, I don't know. But then his knee was strapped up, I guess. So on Saturday, I so. didn't like how much he was strapped up the other day. Yeah, yeah he wasn't it was, in the twenty was, even yesterday either, was he? Nine subs last night, and he wasn't. Didn't make the 20, no, which, which worries me. I, I think there might be something about his knee, which might be a bit of a concern. But, you know, Vokes, he's looking all right. I think that would be good. I, it's, do you know what? If we keep, if I have Vokes and Taylor up the front, how good is it to have a two? 
up top. How many teams yeah. do it nowadays? It's it's <sighs> not. I love it. I, I miss nice it. And Mooney, it when Mooney said you're in the ones for Tyson to knock him in, that's <laughs> what I want with Berksy and Taylor. I think the next few days training on the back of Tuesday, Tuesday is great for the confidence. The next few days training is going to be absolutely huge in making sure that the game plan's set out because Lincoln is not going to be easy. I don't think either game is easy, really. Lincoln, always a difficult... No. I mean, you said it's been 12 years since we've gone and won up there. Um, Orient, you know, playing them on Tuesday, you know, we, we like to fancy our chances a little bit more on the on a week uh, on a weekday. But they ran away with League Two last season and that wasn't, uh, that wasn't an easy league last season. Never really is. But Orient were the real deal last season. There's been quite a lot of ins and outs. I mean, they lost Paul Smith. He went back to QPR. Uh, so they've lost a few of their outstanding performers. I'm not really sure what to expect from that one. But I think the one thing we can guarantee is there's no such thing as an easy game in League One. If you could choose who we would play on Saturday of the two sides, would, who would you rather play given the confidence from the Tuesday and what we saw last Saturday? Orient. Yeah, Orient. 100%. Yeah, agree. I think, I touched on it last week, I th- I think Lincoln are going to be the surprise package this year. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them nip promotion. I think they've, they've built really sensibly over a long period of time. There's obviously a game plan to the type of football that they want to play. They get a good gate up there. It's a football club that's that's really kind of doing well and doing things the right way. You know, they're not going out and spending millions and millions and millions and buying 55 strikers like Ipswich did last year. They're they're growing in the right way. Um, like I say, big crowds. It's quite an intimidating place to go as well. It's always really noisy there. They yeah. really get behind the team. So that isn't going to be easy. And yeah, if I did have the choice, I'd be playing Orient. But unfortunately, the uh, the computer has, uh, has said otherwise. Cheers, computer. Um, so well, bearing that in mind then, given everything that we've discussed, the learnings from the first two games, what we can probably expect on Saturday, Tuesday, what are our predictions uh, for the Lincoln game? I, th- I don't think we're going to break a Saturday duck, but I don't think we're going to lose. I'm going for a one all. So I'm going for one all as well. I can't see a scoring two. I can see a scoring one, though. Um, and to be honest with you, I'll be happy with the one all going to Lincoln away. Dale Taylor to score. Well, that'd be nice. I am going to be a bit more positive um, for a change. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. Um, and yeah, I agree with you, Dame. I think Taylor will get a goal. Perfect scenario is that Vokes and Taylor both score and we win the game. But um, but yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. I'm going to go Vokes and Taylor. I'm going to be super positive. I'm going to meet everyone in the middle. I'm going 2-all. I reckon it's going to be an all-action tie. I mean, look, we looked way more solid at the back on Tuesday, but... Uh, I think we're still very susceptible. We looked, uh, one thing that we didn't touch on at all was how scary it was defending corners against Exeter, uh, despite, you know, the the height of uh, of our centre-back options. Uh, I reckon it's going to be a bit of a topsy-turvy back-and-forth game. Uh, I hope it's entertaining. It's probably not going to be good for the blood pressure. Uh, but there we go. one all. Two one alls, a two one and a two two. That's how it is going to look at least on Saturday. And that will do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, and let's be honest, why wouldn't you? Help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC. 
Dan at Dan Clark PR and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week for more discussion on all things Chairboys. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.